believe being transparent about life struggles and sharing solutions and resources is the only way to bring us together as a community and as a country. Hello, this is Nicole Jennings Goodman and Etienne Gibbs. Welcome to Now What? Um, we will be talking about triggers today. Etienne, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. Good afternoon. Good to see you or hear you again. I wish I could see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Likewise. Well, uh, good evening in your part of the world. It's afternoon here. Yes. Um, it's, it's uh, it's just a very funny dynamic. We got um, Mr. Gibbs is over in the St. Thomas Virgin Islands, and I'm here in the Hawaiian Islands. Um, but yeah. we've come together to, to bring you the show. We're going to be talking about haunting triggers today, dealing with anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and how to deal with them. And uh, I, I really like to refer to it as PTSI. It's not a disorder. It is truly an injury. It is an injury that happens due to a trauma. Now, I've dealt with this, you know, myself. Is, have you, have, um, you're familiar with these things, right, Etienne? You've dealt with anxiety and depression before? Yes, yes, I am. And I'm glad you said what you said because not everybody has a disorder, but everybody may have collected symptoms. There are a whole series of symptoms that have to be evaluated before they can be diagnosed as a disorder. We'll talk about that later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with you with that. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, it it is. I mean, you know, me being retired police detective, like I had never dealt with anxiety and and uh, depression before. I had oh, dealt with all the things that I, I saw on the street, you yeah. know. So I, I thoroughly understand. And these, you know, just as my back was hurt and my knee was hurt, my brain was hurt, you know. So these are injuries. <laughs> I, I really don't understand why they consider it a disorder. Yeah, you know why they consider it a disorder mm-hmm. because it's not something I was born with, you know. So. I am going to, um, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to have a guest speaker on today, Ms. Sadiqa Hennigan. Sadiqa is a retired U.S. Army combat vet. She enlisted in the U.S. Ooh. Army Reserve. Um, she, yeah, she yeah. served during, desert, during the Desert Storm conflict as a medic as well as an operating room specialist. So this bad chick, you know, she's a very good friend of mine. And, uh, I mean, we've actually had, I've actually had the occasion to see how she handles other people um, that are dealing with traumatic situations um, personally. She, like many other veterans, both male and female, have experienced life's war trauma imprints on the body, mind, and spirit. Listen, before she could get out of basic training, her and 14 other female recruits were sexually assaulted by her own drill instructor. Oh so, my you know, like many, mm-hmm. yeah, like many other soldiers, she never returned back home the same. Um, and like I said, I've had the occasion yeah. to to meet her personally and to to see, you know, how she handles people that have been have been dealing with other situations. I had a, you know, very traumatic situation about a year and a half ago, and she saw it. She saw it all on me. She swooped in like an angel, and I didn't know her. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I knew something was going on, and I knew mm-hmm. you needed my help. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you retired. Uh, specialist, Miss Sadika Hennigan. Sadika, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. And so can I, Sadika. Hello, how are you? Greetings, greetings, everyone. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for your invite. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, I've been really excited to have you on the show. I've seen your um, page, PTSD Nation, that uh, reaches out to not just veterans, but every, you know, people from all walks of life that that deal with PTSD and triggers. What are some uh, types of triggers? You know, just help us out with that. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let me jump in a minute. Before we okay. go into triggers, mm-hmm. let's, talk, let's talk about PTSD. Let's explain that to the public, to the audience. Okay, so there's different, there's different types 
of you got the complex PTSD, and then you got uh, PTSD in general. And the PTSD is a that I have is more complex in its nature. Yes. Mm. And that means that it's uh, very many other types of environmental fractions that occurred in my life that developed a um, concentrated injury that Mm. I inherited. So being like compounding your injury on injury on top of injury. Excuse me? You said, like, um, compounding your injuries, like injuries on top of these traumatic yes. injuries. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's a clinical issue. So, um, it can be very broad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I go mean, back a little bit. I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Let's go, go ahead, back a little bit. Yeah, PTSD has been around for a long time. Whenever there's a war, there's always been a PTSD, except it wasn't given that name. The name they had before, well, right after World War II, was shell shock. Many veterans came home yes. with what we call symptoms today. We call them shell shock. And nobody knew what to do with them. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they weren't, they weren't physically ill, injured. Maybe, maybe they were. But some that were not injured, they were said, oh, he's just suffering from shell shock. He'll get out of it. He will drink and you get over mm-hmm. it, or do some drugs and get over it. And that was the treatment back after World War II. Sad. Wow. It is. Yeah. What, what really brought it home was the Vietnam veterans. They brought it yes. home. They created yes. a facility called the yes. Veteran Affair. Yes. For mm-hmm. minds that come home um, scattered and, and, and confused to how they're going to cope in a world that they yes. didn't even know or remember how to even cope in. Right. And keep in mind, too, keep in mind, too, that many of the veterans from Vietnam were black veterans. They were the ones mm-hmm. who were segregated at home, went to Vietnam, came back home, and couldn't even get a decent home, couldn't even get a decent support. Right. Couldn't get anything because the segregation was taking place. So that compound, and that's where we get into the triggers now, compound what was already mm. happening in, the, in their hands, in their minds, in their bodies. Wow. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how far, um, how far the, the medical industry has at least come to recognize that this is an yeah. injury, that this is a situation that needs to be addressed, not just dealt with. You know, that it's not just yes, shell-shocked, oh, you know, something wrong with them, they're crazy and send them all. But this is something that, that really needs to be addressed. It affects us a lot more than we've given credit for. And that's what yes. brings us here today, that we need help, we need resources, we need yes. people that are empathetic and understand what their counterpart is going through. And so, we, you know, we wind up with pages like PTSD Nation and people like Mr. Dika Hennigan who says, listen, there are other people like me that need help, and if I can't find it out there, I'm going to help put it together and bring people to the help. So this is where we are yeah. today with PTSD Nation. I appreciate your, what you're doing, Sadiqa. So where do triggers come from? Well, really, uh, triggers are, first of all, anything that reminds individuals of a previous traumatic experience. They can come. Mm-hmm. They, they come from the environment. They come from situations, people, circumstances of things that ignite an emotional um, past dealing of a trauma that they dealt mm. with. Uh, we can take, for example, uh, COVID nineteen. This that's a situation. Mm-hmm that folks are really triggered in fear and panic. They're frustrated uh, from these lies and hidden agendas that's going on. Mm. And people are so polarized and listening to media updates on 
the number of uh, of COVID nineteen uh, fallen uh, um, uh, citizens, and you know, it gets mm-hmm. to the point that um, it 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 it, it channels um, this energy for veterans in particularly, and their knowingness mm-hmm. of it. And yeah, and the is, thought of martial law. Yeah, that's the real shocker for us to sit in and, 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 and watch something that we've been skillfully trained to know what it's all about. And we have to sit mm-hmm. uh, our uh, country men and women uh, plan this out. I also write my senators. I'm busy writing my legislative advocate for veterans, and I mm-hmm. get the word out that we are here, we know what's really going on, and we paying attention. A few of us understand right. what's happening, but that has become mm-hmm. a major truth for many Americans. Oh, yeah, people. I can imagine. Yeah, for myself as well. People ask me all the time, did you see this, that, and the other in the news? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I try not. I try to stay focused on exactly what I need to know to do what I got to do. All the other stuff are just triggers for my anxiety. And and the lockdowns. And I'm gonna tell you a, another trigger um, that is haunting me is to. I came from the operating room, and and some some situations of circumstances that happened in the operating room. Uh, triggered me uh, to the point mm. um, I, I, I was able to be relieved of my duty. It was a lot of harassment. Mm. It's, it's, it's bureaucracy that goes on in our institution, the, in, the systemic racism that is, you know, being talked about. It's real. It's in our institutions all over. Absolutely. And I, had so, I had to deal with it in the Army, that systemic racism. When I decided after that, crazy situation that I um, saw myself going into basic training and coming out so um, deeply wounded, I, I, mm. I, I saw myself in a lot of ways uh, kind of tra- trapped. I'm trapped in a life that I really want to be free from, but I'm too scared to speak up about it. So and I at the same time, yeah. I can't even imagine at the same time working with people that are supposed to be there responsible to support your life. Like I, I understand that dynamic, you know, but you know, when uh, someone that's supposed to be supportive and protective of you, that is the person that is traumatizing and damaging you. I cannot imagine how you dealt with that. Oh, you know, every waking moment. And, and because of, the um, stressors and traumas experienced in the military, I acted out in a way where uh, my life started to fall apart. My marriage fell apart from mm. this trauma. My um, wow. uh, situation at my job of um, the stress I inherited there um, caused me not to, just to go into a deep depression. I went into mm. uh, a deep crisis where I had to get iron infused in me. I passed out in the operating room hemorrhaging from wow. uh, a, uh, from fibroids that I also inherited from the military because once you, as a female, what I experienced was the whole necessity to make me a soldier, to make me strong, mm. to make me full of anger and, and, and full of mm-hmm. uh, rage that it wore it wore in my um, natural energy, nature self, that feminine nurture Absolutely. Self. So, so my uterus Absolutely. got, and that's how I inherited fibroids from that situation, not just carrying those heavy bags, but the emotional that it brought. And you and I talked. You and I kind of talked a little bit more about this, and so I have had permission from you to mention this on the air that when yes. you were sexually assaulted, you were a virgin. You're an eighteen year old virgin. So that that is the that's the initial trauma that uh, you know 
started, like, the, like not just trauma to you mentally, but li- literal trauma to the wound, uh, which is a whole nother level of PTSD that's dealing with, you know, the, the women and black women in particular, and then again, women, black women in the military. Yes, and also men. Uh, this was a yeah, oh, I, I joined the military in the nineteen uh, nineteen eighty six, eighty seven. I joined the military. Okay. We still had some strong. I was in Fort McCullough, Alabama, and we still in the mm. in the armed services. They still had some pretty strong. Uh, you know, we call it you know hazing. They had some pretty strong hazing. Mm-hmm. To get wow. you lined up to become that soldier that they need you to become in what eight weeks? They had eight weeks to make you a, a soldier, so it was pretty stressful for everybody. And you know, in in doing that, and inheriting all of that that stress that I had to build up in myself, mm-hmm. I, I just mm. I just couldn't talk to anybody. This was this was just like a sorority or fraternity, and how they do the hazing. So when I did get mm-hmm. a chance to um, talk, which I, I had in my face, the um, drill instructor telling me, you better never say nothing. And, and you know, we mm. had pay phones back then, so they can be right in your face. But I do remember my best friend, <laughs> she was uh, pledging a sorority, and um, I would talk with her, and she would tell me, some of the hazing that she was going through. Wow. I was her a little bit about the hazing uh, because once that situation happened to me, I didn't get any more phone calls. I couldn't call my parents no more then, or I couldn't have that one call um, every two weeks anymore. It was a done deal. What? It was towards the way. But my girlfriend so, uh, and I, she made wait, it easy wait, for wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait a minute, we'll pause, pause right quick. You are actually, okay, so don't just skip past, like, past that like you didn't just say that, that <laughs> you were forbidden from, you, from reaching out to your family for personal time, during your personal time, to, to call your family. Like even prisoners are allowed a phone call. You were not allowed to call home after that during basic training? It was um uh, tactfully done to prevent me. Either another mm. uh, a soldier, she needs to use this phone. I might be in the uh, next in line. Oh, she needs to make a call. You see what I'm saying? So I don't. I didn't get any yeah. time to make. A, or they'll pack me with so much, so so many tasks to do that I couldn't even get to the phone to call. Mm. Wow. So it was <laughs> I have a quick question. It sounds to me like there were some KKK in the in the army. Oh yes, it, it, it was. Let me tell you, when I got off, when I got to Alabama on that um, that bus, and yeah. um, everybody was, you know, you know, we knew recruits. Everybody running off the bus because the drill instructor, you know, is screaming at everybody, and uh, I'm waiting yeah. on my turn to go, and, you know, and I had a few minutes, so I was looking outside the window, just waiting to, it's time for me to get up and go, and um, yeah. I looked over, and this man called me Kizzy. Kizzy! Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Wow. He's Kizzy! And I, you know, I'm, you know, Bruce, you know, played, you know, his stuff out, so I know who Kizzy was, but, you know, I'm just sitting there, like, not talking to me, you know. And then he ran up oh, and got him straight in my face and said, "I'm talking yeah. to you." And you got you got 15 minutes. I had I I went to the military. Yes, I did. Went to the military with micro braids extensions. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. No one told me. No one told me. You may not want to wear your hair in cornrows because at that time it, it was all labs. You know, it's just like. You kind of pledging, so it's like, yeah, we got some real life recruits this season, you know, yeah. in that mm-hmm. kind of energy mode. So, you know, mm-hmm. then next, you know, I get off the, I get off the bus and I got, I don't know, three or four people in my head 
pulling these hair braids out because everybody's pranking and scared, and he just put oh somebody on his head to take those braids yeah. out. Wow. Uh, it, it, wow. It's not done. Once I got those braids out, and we weren't allowed, the females weren't, I don't know how it is now, but we weren't allowed to have blow dryers and, and, and your makeup and all that stuff. You had to come straight raw. So I came with, you know, four on my head, which could get over the helmet. And, you know. But anyway, once I got those out, next thing you know, my name became Buckley. And I had to answer mm. here this. Those were triggers. Serious. Yeah. Wow. It became uh, absolutely. So you didn't. It's like you signed up to become a prisoner versus enlisting in the military to serve your country to be treated. I mean, you know, this this is not something like high school where okay, after the eleventh grade you go to military. So you you volunteered. (laughs) To you know, oh. to to set up for your country, and you can talk to you like that. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Nicole. Wait a minute. See, it's all about what. It's all about your intention. Okay, your intention and your focus creates what it is that you would like to manifest in your life. So at seventeen, mm-hmm. at that time, I was always the type of person that had a God-centered consciousness in myself. So at 17, Mm -hmm. I was practicing because I read Nina um, uh, um, Turner, Turner and Ike. Um, I read her book, Tina Turner. Ike Turner, Tina Turner. Right. I read her book, her autobiography, and she used uh, a practice called um, Nietzsche and Daishonin Buddhism to escape the uh, or to deal um, with the pain that Ike was putting in her world and affairs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I read that book when I was 17. I practiced. I went and, and, and became a practitioner of Nietzsche and Daishonin Buddhism. Oh, and good. Wow. I okay. started chanting. I would be chanting four hours a day, you know, chanting Nam Yo Ringe Kill, cause and effect love vibration. Uh, that was my mm-hmm. first law. And I'm going to tell you, I came up with this thought. Now, I'm 17. My thought was, I want to be a change agent for world peace. I want to bring Good world peace in the world. Uh-huh. And I came up with this thought. My father always wanted me to become a commissioned officer and to go into the mm-hmm. Army, kind of be in the footsteps of my cousin Lorna, who did it and did it very well. Uh, I went and had this thought. The Army can teach me all about war because I was living a good life, mm-hmm. three meals a day, living under my mom's rule. I was in peace. <laughs> I can take four hours a day. I was in peace. And uh, I said, but I want to know about war. My father wants me to go to the military. I can go to the military, and they can give me tuition to return back to college and get back in my class, and then I go the next following uh, semester or the next summer and go get my job training. So my whole idea was I can see two birds at the same time. I could make my father happy. That's the idea. And I can understand about war and conflict so I can bring about peace. And so I remember. So that was the, that was the guys, that was the guys that they, that they put in front of you to say, yes, you could do all of this, Sadiqa. Come on and find your life away to us. They didn't tell you what they was going to do to you, though. No, they didn't. I had the best recruiter in town. They didn't tell you the reality of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, no, no one's going to tell you that reality because everybody's reality is a little different, okay? I came into the military. Um, I had a consciousness. I, 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 I went to college, and I minored um, in my first semester. I majored in nursing, and I minored in pan-African mm-hmm. studies. So wow, I developed okay. from Catholic school to college, 
is I took as a minor Pan-African studies. Once I get to know Pan-African studies and I saw the real dealio that was, um, you know, set before me, I I really woke up and said, am, am I sure that I want to finish this ROTC submission um, uh, uh, program? But, you know, it was going so well. We go out there in, in our uh, field and do our maneuvers. And mm. it, it, was, it was like... <laughs> I'm telling you, it was it was it it it, it was thought it was um, learning strategies and tactics as an officer. It but sounds, it was easy. That sounds like the academy. It was, yeah, it was it was really easy. But when you go into real man enlisted army, it's not, it's not a it's not it's not a um a camp. It's it's a real um, scenario that is set up for you to be in the element of war consciousness. And so I had to uh, align myself in that thought pattern and, and become the soldier that I set off to do in there. Yeah. And, and that was yeah, and kind of challenging. You regardless of what happens to you. Because <laughs> I wanted a career. Say that again. Right. I, now, I wanted a career. That, I'm sorry, I can't. Let me. You were saying something. Let me again? jump in. Let me have. Yeah, I have a good question. Um, I, I, I too, I'm a, I'm a veteran, but I was not in when the females were coming in. And when did that come about? That women were allowed to come in. Oh man, I mean, you want me to go back? I guess it was in the night, maybe forties or something, or. Oh, that was the wax. That was wax, right? Yeah, wax. Yeah. Okay, but they weren't, they weren't allowed to be do war. war Hold on, let, let me get it up for you. Let me get it up for you. So you got to Google it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you know so what? Interestingly enough, go ahead. Go ahead. No, just when did they go to the war? That's uh, what I'm trying to ask. There was always the the, the wave, the war, W A V. But when did they allow women to actually go into war? 19, is what you're asking. 1948. Yeah. 1948. 1948. 1948. 1948 to be um, exact. Uh, the law was made for women mm. to permit in the military service, and in 
that military sexual it, trauma, you won't be able to find it is insane that there actually has to be a protocol to treat the men and women who volunteer to defend this country. You see what I'm saying? Like they're actually, yeah, well, y'all need to, there has to be a protocol in order to learn how to treat them. And that is actually, you know, the fact that that is not a given. You see what I'm saying? That you treat these men and women with respect because and why would you want to break your soldiers before you send them to defend you? I don't want, you know, <laughs> broken <laughs> people to fit to defend me. Nicole, it's this such is an what happened. <laughs> I, this is what happened. The, the whole thing is you have to make a strong, forceful soldier. you got to give them every mm-hmm. aspect on every angle of war so they can be ready when mm-hmm. it comes. And for uh, females, that doesn't mean you're supposed to the rape the children. Rape them, though. Yeah, well, some women, because I had such a, an, um, I wasn't easy to be angry because I know the truth. I knew the truth when I came in there about my relationship with my creator. I knew the truth in me. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was come in there and, and almost be uh, uh, like a detective to understand what makes war so tedious that it has flipped our whole world into a conscious of uh, a separation, of superiority, of all the stuff that mm-hmm. just been. So I, 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 I knew in my mind what I went in there for. And and, mm-hmm. and so, see, I'm a little bit different, and this why my PTSD it it, it uh, it's not um, as 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 bad as many of my comrades that suffer through this. I I, I thoroughly I understand. Had, I I you know I had a grounding into the purpose on why I went in there, so. I, mm-hmm. I, I had my, my best friend who was telling me how she was going through her hazing that I was more like, this is just part of life. This is what mm-hmm. goes on. And because I, and I, mean, I rationalize this where I can, I can move on in my life. And because I'm in the United States Army and they really want to make me a great soldier, this is, I, I'm, I'm really honored. Listen, this is how screwed up it was. I'm really honored that I was selected. To have this experience, to be the, oh wow, that is that, that is insane. That is I, the I'm most so, insane it's, it's pounding. And sororities and uh, and fraternities, when they go through this, they they go through some serious stuff. And when they go through it, I they understand. Still love, but that just that sense of belonging, okay. you know. That okay. Sense of belonging. I, okay. Okay, pause for a second. I understand this, okay, because as as a retired, you know, street cop, I, I get it. I've been through the police academy. I had that brotherhood. I've been out there on the street where we had to be responsible for each other's life. But to say that somebody has to go through all of these traumas in order to be an effective soldier, why don't you just go ahead and shoot me too so I know how that feels? So, but you have to rape the women so they know if they get captured as prisoners awarded, this is how it's going to feel. You know what I'm saying? But it's crazy that the mindset um, and the what, the brainwashing that they uh, instill in us to, in order to make us proper soldiers is that you got to to go through all of this in order, you know, to to be all that you can be and get all this done before 9 a.m. Thankfully, Sadika, you like unlike most people, had that grounding to be able to rationalize this in your head so that, you're, uh, you, so that you wasn't so all half-cocked by the time you got out of the military and too screwed up to do anything. Thankfully, you had a grounding to be able to see straight. Now, me personally, okay, as I mentioned that Sadiqa and I are friends, now we're gonna get to. We need to get to like, oh, how these like these triggers do they go away? You know, we really need to get to that. Um, <laughs> you, you be, yeah, because man, it's hard. It's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. No, the triggers. I like to jump. 
let me jump in a minute, please. Uh, Sidita, am I saying it correctly? Shidina? Sidika. Sidika. Sidika, okay. All right. Sidika. You are the host and the creator of the PTSD Nation today? Correct. Are you looking for, for for volunteers? This is a good yes, opportunity to, to spread the word. Well, take a few minutes. Take a few minutes to tell the audience what they uh, what you're looking for. I, I'm I'm looking for my my tribe, my community of people who are out there suffering from uh, post traumatic stress disorder, especially now during this time of COVID. Uh, I, I welcome you all to come in to my PTSD group. On Facebook, um, it's a private group where you can uh, feel a connection, feel a, a, a sense, a little sense of relief that there's somebody else out there that has yeah. gone through and is still going through, but have learned to have better coping skills to move through mm-hmm. this intrusive situation that has been placed on us, where you know it it, it paralyzes. It can be very paralyzing um, at times. So, so the victims are invited to come to the the Facebook group. What happens Correct. if they're not face? What happens if they're not on Facebook or don't know have a computer? Okay, it's all the social media platforms I'm on is um, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and if they don't. Uh, they can still contact me, and I Go do ahead. advocacy work. If, if they live in my communities, I do advocacy work. Uh, I connect with um, vet-to-vet centers where I meet veterans at one point in time when COVID-19 wasn't there. But I, I made a, a my own purpose in me is to connect with those veterans that are lost, are looking for some resources, are looking for yeah. some belonging. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. But do you yeah, have a phone number listening. that we can give out? Yes. Yes. Oh. I was just about to say that. Mm-hmm. The number is 216 213 Two one three nine seven six four. Very good. And you can also okay. email me. Good. What's your email address? Hennigan seven at yahoo dot com. Because I might not, you know, I'll it's hard that to out. Me. Yeah, spell oh. that out. Uh, spell that out to make sure everybody understood it. It's S as in Sierra, H-E-N-I-G-H-A-N. The number seven at yahoo.com. Very good. Okay. Let's get back to triggers. What are some of the triggers that we could be exposed to? Um. I mean, like I mentioned, um, you you can have a trigger uh, from this COVID nineteen all the way um, mm-hmm. trigger last, mm-hmm. but you know triggers are also um, times where you it reminds you of the different traumas you inherit, such as your anniversary mm-hmm. dates of joining mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. military services, um, uh, uh, family friction. Oh, I had to get used to being comfortable in the park. I had to get used to being in a, a seeing mm. the park as a normal place to be and and to relax. Wow. That that something that as simple not, as being in a park. Yes. Um, uh, things also um, triggers is you know your family because th- that's a really big trigger. You don't understand <laughs> what's going on times out of ten, and nor does your family. They don't understand, but they do know something is wrong. So, uh, you know, frightening news. That's why I can't watch the news. I, I get pulled up with news, and then next thing, 
I'm right absolutely. <laughs> And 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 I'm um, calling Judge Judy, and I, I'm I'm all over the. I become Lord, I'm you know, and and trying to resolve now, a situation. Yeah, I had to stop. I had to stop watching the news altogether, and it got to the point you know, that I don't even have a regular, you know, TV station, cable station. Like the commercials in between, I don't want to hear breaking news. You know, when I once I retired as a crime scene investigator, seeing stuff on TV would have my hands shaking. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. somebody get this homicide and this, that, and the other in my city, things are happening with the with Cleveland police officers and stuff. It would make my hands sweaty and my hands shake and I would get up and start pacing the floor. So I just decided to stop watching the news altogether. You know, so I absolutely identify with what Sadiqa is saying, you know, as far as these triggers. But stop um watching the news for me is it's 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 kind of impossible because I got I got to stay up to date to um, you know with the veteran advocacy work and you know what's going on uh, with the nation and you know and also you know uh, I got to stay connected and and meeting the needs that veterans have so I need to know mm-hmm. what what bill what this um, um, has passed through Congress and you know I, I connect myself with that but I know how to turn it off. I, I know how right. to learn it all. These are there. That's the importance of coping skills. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's For sure. The, that's the advantage of having these coping skills. Well, um, and, and that's why it's so. That's you know why it's so important to to guide people to these resources like PTSD Nation coping skills. Um, they're different from for everyone, uh, but they're absolutely imperative to be able to deal with triggers and anxiety and PTSD and learning some of these skills and practicing them on a regular day-to-day basis is uh, really going to help during this COVID time. So I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing, Sadiqa. That is super helpful. So what are some coping skills that, um, that you've used that you found to help? Uh, just be here now. That's the first thing with, uh, coping with triggers because triggers can throw you off and throw you back in the past of emotions and mixed, mm. uh, time zones of things that you know you you blow something up more than what it needs to be so just be aware uh, consciously aware where you are and periodically okay. I have to tell myself thinking about now you know what I'm saying because you have racing intrusive thoughts that keep just penetrating your mind so every once in a while mm-hmm. I, I've, I've learned to drill myself and asking myself what are you thinking about I also created a, a like a shadow journal of of those pains and issues that I identified at that time and and, okay. and, and so through journaling. that yes yeah, through that I'm able to heal myself and forgive myself deeper and mm-hmm. some of those tra- that I, I got from the military. Uh, what's another? What about another, physical activity? I know you work out a lot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Another one is just exercising. That is so, mm-hmm. so important with all the um, good um, neuron triggers of serotonin and dopamine and And release endorphins, yeah. Yeah, that keeps you you know, energized and keeps you well in your mind mm-hmm. and your body but and increase your focus. Uh, it, it also distracts uh, those triggers that come up. Anytime a trigger comes okay. up, you distract it with something else. So you can't give it the attention it's starving for. Right. Now, yeah. I found like at nighttime is uh, really – you know, before bed is usually my biggest time when my mind starts to go crazy with a lot of the things that I've been through and traumas that I've been through. And one of the ways that I've found to, uh, to help deal with my anxieties from my triggers are, like, I like wildlife 
uh, or documentaries, especially stuff in the ocean and that ocean sound and watching the fish or whatever because it's so far from whatever it is that's going on in my life, and it just kind of helps me to relax and, and fall off to sleep thinking about fish in the sea and not crazy stuff that I've dealt with. Um, you know, so are there some ways that you would use to quiet your mind or meditate before you go to bed? Oh, I have to. I, I, I'm always tuned in in meditation. Mindfulness meditation really works. It works Mind. for a lot of us. It teaches us not to focus on every thought that comes into our mind. Just release it mm-hmm. and, and put it to pass through. Uh, they say we got over sixty thousand thoughts a day that comes in our mind. Yeah. You know, so you know, it's very hard for individuals. Uh, people to just distract the thought because as soon as you distract the thought, mm-hmm. here's another thought, here's another thought, here's, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it, it, it becomes exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who are interested in something like that, some type of meditation, guided meditation, even yoga. Yoga is a wonderful one. I know Sadika um, exercises, uh, uh, uses yoga sometimes, and, and myself, there's a lot of free resources on YouTube. So you can look up some meditations and guided meditations. Eventually, we're going to have some um, resources for that on PTSD Nation on her website. So, she, you know, she can have some more specific stuff for those of us who yes, deal with developed, these triggers of yes, PTSD. I, I just developed so, You so really? I'm, I'm wow. Still, yeah, I'm still moving mm-hmm. in. I missed it. Say it again, please. I said, I just developed PTSD Nation. I just oh, okay. Okay. That's good. But guess what? Guess what? I'll help put you on uh, social media Pinterest. I'll talk to you about that later on. Want to get off the air? Oh yes, he does a wonderful tribute page, and that I would be really interested in seeing how it comes out. Etienne does a, uh, oh. a did a tribute page for myself. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the PTSD Nation tribute page. That's uh, uh, one oh, yeah. of the uh, many skills and talents of my co-host, Mr. Etienne Gibbs. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk. So, um, Sadika, Sadika, what are some steps that we can take to heal from triggers? Like I said, you know, just finding a way to put down structure in your life. To be able yeah, to structure definitely helps. And, and talk to uh, your doctors. Uh, talk to professional people who can understand what you're going through and mm-hmm. give you resources and connections to to move yourself from that pain. So that's very important to talk to someone. We cannot do this alone. Yeah. It definitely helps to have someone. You know what? Um, and before before I bust the left on that that comment again, um, because I've <laughs> I've mentioned a couple times that. Uh, Sadika has swooped in on me like an angel. I went through a very traumatic situation a year and a half ago where I lost my husband. And when nobody else recognized that I was off on, you know, that I was really in a bad place, Sadika showed up. You know, we had only been friends a couple of months, so I didn't know where this woman was coming from or why she was, you know, sticking so close to me. But she, you know, she did recognize that I was um, really going through uh, some serious depression and anxiety that I had been trying as I dealt with so much death and everything on the job as a cop. And she came in and stuck to me like glue <laughs> for days, for days. I don't know where this angel came from. So um, to say that she is dedicated to what she does is an understatement. To say that she is good at what she does is also an understatement. Um, so, you know, it's amazing what you have to go through to be able to be there for people. Uh, but, yeah, Sadika Hennigan is definitely the truth in what she does, and she is very sincere about it. So uh, PTSD Nation on Facebook, 
<laughs> I, I thought I told you I loved you, lady. I you just want to let everybody look, else know. You forgot that major part of why I was in your life. Your husband was my trainer. Uh, Sadiqa, uh, yeah, Sadiqa, she's just got this way of being able to understand exactly what it is you need to hear. We were introduced by a third party, um, another young lady, and uh, that brought Sadiqa over to my house, and we were just talking and about health and fitness, and she says, you know what? I need a personal trainer, but I need a personal trainer that's in love with his wife because I ain't got time because Sadiq is beautiful. She is a, she's a beautiful young lady. If you look at the picture, you look at the slideshow, she says all of five foot and nothing-ish, uh, very uh, shapely, beautiful woman. And she said, I ain't got time. I need somebody that's in love with their wife or got something going on. I said, well, I've got the trainer for you. And uh, she wound up meeting my husband, and uh, her and I became fast friends and just just a few short months later, he passed away, and she st- she showed up like the uh, the nurse that she is, <laughs> and um, dealing with traumas and PTSD and anxiety like she does, and she showed up and did what she does. You see what I'm saying? So I, I didn't invite her here just because of all of these accolades, but I brought her on because she's very sincere in what she does, and um, you know she's very knowledgeable in what she does. So Facebook. Dot com group slash PTSD nation. Whoop, yep, so that's all. That's all. <laughs> well, I really well, You were saying, Etienne? Oh, okay. I was just about to pat Danica on the back, too, because when we started the show and I listened to this lady, I said, gee whiz, she is sincere. She really is taking this on. Mm-hmm. And I have to applaud you right there, Seneca. All right already. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. I'm humble. You'll be I'm here humble. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I learned so much, and I'm, 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 I'm growing and, and healing myself through my sharing of my yes. pain points. And um, helping others. Getting yeah. better. And better in helping others. Yeah. Yeah, helping others my, help you. You can turn your tragedy into your blessing, and, and I yeah. believe that's mm-hmm. that's what courage to do. I stood up in courage mm-hmm. and said, "Up, do this." Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, speaking of being courageous, like thinking about how. Uh, courageous you have to be to be the whistleblower that you are. I mean, standing up and applaud and to step, to stand in front of people and say, listen, this happened to me. It is very, I've dealt with women that have been sexually assaulted. It is extremely a demoralizing situation to be able to stand up and say, no, it happened to me. And I'm going to shout from the mountains about it and, you know, talk to other women uh, is an extremely courageous move. So I definitely applaud you for that as well. Thank you, Nicole. I appreciate that. Uh, I, like I said, I stand on the shoulders of my fellow comrades that paved the way for me to even have mm-hmm. an opportunity like this to heal myself, to even have it recognized to be an injury, because it, it, you know, this just pretty much formed itself in a way where people can get the help they need. It's not being ignored anymore. It's not being right. passed off to kind of, you know, this is just the way you are. But people are really doing some real research and finding out how to work with the brain well enough to move us out mm-hmm. of the issues that we go through and these traumas. Right. So I right. kudos to those people out there that have our concerns. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, it's always been difficult for those uh, for those of us who deal with these situations, especially brain injuries, to ask for help, uh, especially in the black community. Um, you know, we're we're a suck it up and and deal with it type society, where to admit that type of situation is appeared as a weakness. You know, I have family members that have been in um, Afghanistan and so forth, and um, just and just absolutely refuses to accept the fact that you 
have been traumatized and you need help. Um, me personally, uh, dealing with my PTSD and, and my accidents and stuff, I've had a psychologist for almost 20 years since my accident. And mm-hmm. even my own, yeah, and, and, and I was going to him once a month, sometimes every two weeks, every week after my husband passed away to, you know, to deal with my situations. And I was told, like my own sister told me I was stupid for talking to a psychologist that I should be smart enough to deal with this on my own. So that type of stigmata is something that, you know, it's like, okay, but I can't talk to my sister about what I'm dealing with. You're already judging me. You know, you're already judging me. So uh, for uh, not, not only how I feel about what happened to me, but the fact that I even have a, a psychologist. So there is such a stigmata amongst the black community, especially, uh, and then soldiers who are supposed to be strong and blah, 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 to admit that your, our brains were injured because it's not a big scar down the, the middle of your forehead that you actually had this injury. And that's why it should be called PTSI. This is an injury. So, yeah, so... Oh, clinical uh, PTSD syndrome. That disorder, PTSD Mm -hmm. syndrome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or even, yeah. Whatever it's I personally especially in that situation where, you know, we just had that, that um, insertion, that coup that mm. went on on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Just that itself, just that itself and watching that nonsense of stuff happening and all that, and knowing yeah. what's really going on underneath it. Um, I, I had to call the Veterans Crisis Line. That's, that's a very yeah. important number. And um, yeah, Could, do you have that? Do you have that crisis line available? Wait, wait, wait. We got I two minutes. We're gonna have to wrap it up. Yeah, give that number. Uh, while you're looking for that, uh, Sadika's contact information two one six two one three nine seven six four. You can reach out to her. Um, her uh, email address s hennigan s h e n i ghan 7 at yahoo.com and her Facebook page is PTSD Nation. As a matter of fact, that is her um, that is her handle on all social media platforms, PTSD Nation. Do you have that number, Sadika? Yes, it's 888-581-8221. 24 hours, they're there for you. Repeat that one more time. Repeat the number, please. Yes. 888-581-8221. Wonderful. Very good. Got it. Oh, and this number. This is the number here. Oh, wait a minute. Call this mm-hmm. number. 1-800-273-8255. I was looking at the wrong number. That's again. 1-800-273. Mm-hmm. Eight five five. Eight two five five. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, we are winding down our show. We got about uh, ninety seconds left before we've got to get out of here. But I want to thank everybody for coming in. Next week's show, we're going to continue our theme. Next week's uh, our next show in two weeks from today will be touch base on. Um, forgiveness and acceptance, and we are going to have a guest speaker, Professor Kenneth Spruce, um, on to speak at that show. So forgiveness and acceptance will be our next show. Sadiqa, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap it up? You don't have to go alone in this situation. You don't have to be alone. There is help. Feel free to call. Feel free to email Wonderful. And definitely check out PTSD Nation on Facebook and all of the social media platforms. Etienne, is there anything you want to um, say before we wrap it up? I'm just saying it again. Wonderful. You'll be hearing from me again. I'll be touching base with you. Looking forward. All right. Wonderful. 
One, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay, we are going to get on out of here. The musical clip you're going to hear is a local band, uh, Rob Taylor and the Unwritten Story. They are a local band here in um, Hawaii, and if you like them, you can check them out on YouTube. Take care. I'll, get, I'll see you guys on the other side. Aloha. 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 Aloha.